Do you want to read manhwa? Well, you came to the right place. Welcome to the third episode of So Do You Want to Read Manhwa? This is a podcast centered on Korean entertainment, mainly manhwa, uh, that might also have novel or drama sources and adaptations. In this episode, we're going to be talking about The Boxer, with a brief mention of The Horizon and Mosquito Wars by the same author. Uh, my name is Marion, and I'll be your host, along with my friend Amber. Hi, everyone. And today, we're also joined by Deb Aoki, host of the Planning podcast. Planning also covered The Boxer on episode 95 of their show. And uh, yeah, welcome, Deb. We're happy to have you here. If you wouldn't mind, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Okay, sure. Um, I'm Deb Aoki. Uh, I write about manga mostly for <laughs> Publishers Weekly and Comics Beat and sometimes other publications. I also do writing for Manga Splaining in addition to doing the podcast. We are... I'm also a manga editor now. Um, I'm editing um, Wandering Cat's Cage by uh, Akani Torikai, which is coming out from Fanographics next year and is being serialized bi-weekly on Manga Splitting Extra. That's awesome. Yeah, Dev is all over the place, but in the, the <laughs> right way, the right way, not the awkward way. <laughs> Uh, before we get into the boxer, we actually wanted to start a new segment where we talk about some of the stuff, uh, like standouts and like our daily read piles for the past month. And uh, I guess, Amber, do you want to start off? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm going to just talk about to most, I feel like every time we do this segment, it's going to be stuff from Manta because that's primarily what I read from. Um, but so the first one that I have to sit, I have to make it my first because it was what brought me into the Manwo world, and I love it so much. Um, it's Under the Oak Tree, and it's written by Namu and Seomal, illustrated by P, with the original story by Kim Suji. Um, it's a currently ongoing romanticy series. The, the summary is basically that uh, Lady Maximilian is married off to Sir Rifton, the finest knight in the kingdom, and he just disappears for three years to fight in a campaign. Um, the story is about really finding the path to a happily ever after. And I really like that it's not only for its gorgeous style, like that's what really drew me into it initially, um, the art, but also the way that they handle Maxi's trauma, um, I think is really well done in that series. And that series is currently um, airing with its, or not airing, but <laughs> appearing with new episodes each week in season three. Um, the other one that I wanted to talk about is Traces of the Sun, which is illustrated by Marin with an original story by Dohenu. I know I did not pronounce that right, but I'm trying. <laughs> um, it's a, a mild VL romanticy with similar hunter dungeon properties to solo leveling. In this series, Yiseon has the ability to rebuild cities, like entire cities, and he sees his friends be turned into the or be turned into undead beings in a dungeon. Um, he's then recruited by a guild with an interesting proposition that he really can't refuse. And that series also deals with a lot of trauma, which you can imagine from seeing your friends become zombies, essentially. <laughs> and that is also uh, on season three currently. Cool. Uh, actually, I also read uh, Under the Oak Tree. Um, I'm not caught up because uh, when the new season started, um, I wasn't aware. So uh, I'm going to let it build up a little bit so I can finish the rest. But I, I also really like it. I think Riften and... Uh, Maxi have a really, really nice relationship, and the art is stellar. I love how spicy it gets, too. Deb, do you want to share what you've been reading? Sure. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go to recency bias, <laughs> which is the stuff I'm, I just read, like, today. Um, I just started reading The Unstoppable Hey Young by Wu Young. 
it's a new series on webtoon and it's you know like how there's a lot of stories about like usually boys dealing with very hardcore bullying in school um this one is about a girl who is the badass and it's really cute basically this uh high school girl, like high school, middle school, she looks like middle school, uh, goes to school and then sees someone else being bullied. So she tries to stop the bully. And then what she finds out later is that she is now going to be the target of that bully, who is female, by the way. And then a girl moves in next door to her, so who's kind of short, kind of quiet, kind of, you know, not too, not really too flashy, but, you know, kind of, kind of stoic. Then she finds out that this girl can fight. <laughs> and also doesn't like bullies. And basically this girl serves up that the tall girl bully like nobody's business because she was a junior Taekwondo champion. <laughs> so it's really fun and satisfying in that uh, one, the arts, there's a lot of great moments of humor. And even though there's a lot of fighting, it's done in a way that is almost comical sometimes. And it's really satisfying to see this type of story with female, young female protagonists instead of men, you know. Um, I've read up to maybe 10 chapters that only came out the other day. I'm really, really enjoying it. The other new series that just came out on um, Webtoon that I'm liking like is uh, Tata the Cat, <laughs> which is kind of like, uh, has a lot of Ghibli vibes to it in that there's a young girl who goes back to the countryside to visit her grandmother. She used to live there, but she moved to the city with her family. And in the backyard, there is a giant tree that mysteriously has a flower bud popped up after the last meteor shower. And what ends up happening is the flower blooms and out pops a full-grown cat. Now, what ends up happening is the grandmother is surprised because she says, it's Tata the cat. And we find out that Tata died 30 years ago <laughs> and was the companion of a boy, next, a neighbor boy who had also died around that time. So, and Tata now, with the flower on its head, can fly. <laughs> so there's all kinds of interesting mysteries going on, and it's also kind of like overlaid with the young girls coming of age, as well as the aunts and uncles trying to understand this mystery behind this cat. Um, like it's pretty new. It's maybe only 10 or 12 episodes in, so I don't know where it's going, but the art's really fun, and the story is really appealing. Uh, that sounds really fun, actually. Um... I never really expected to see something else in the, I guess in like the vein of like banana, where it's like a cat plant or whatever. Um, but I like that. It's very unique. Also, actually, that might be more common than I realized because there's also like a plant cat thing in JoJo part four. It's weird. But... Oh, oh, is there really? I haven't gotten that far in JoJo's yet. So. Actually, it's like, um, it's like a straight cat that gets hit by this arrow that makes stands or whatever. And it like shoots out invisible air bullets. And it's. It's weird, but it's JoJo's, so whatever. It's fun. Yeah. I'm down with a badass cat, sure. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> actually I think the, the villain picks it up and, like, just... It's, it's like his pet or something. It's funny. I could always go for a good cat story. I think there's a few different manga series that I read that are cat-centric that are... Just because they're so comical in always different ways. The... Um, like, there's one that I've been borrowed from my library called, like, The Man and His Cat that has been absolutely adorable all the way through and it that just reminds me i know that that's a more mystical like 30 year old dead cat that sounds wild but it's still like there's something about cat stories that they can just do different things that are so funny i actually think that was like super successful isn't it like um is, isn't it is it a square enix title i don't remember yeah it's square enix yeah and like i, I, mean, I remember um 
was it at Enemy Expo where they were talking about like how successful it was that it like it sold a lot and like yeah it looked good. Yeah, it's just going on and on, and then it gets more cats and more hot guys, like not just older guys but younger guys, older guys, and then there's still these fugly cats. They just <laughs> always find a way. Ugly. <laughs> They find They're a way cute. to add more cats that are even uglier and even more attractive musician men. I don't know how. Well, first, <laughs> I love that. But it just keeps going, so, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> hey, that's hey, the people want it. We're, they're giving it to them. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess the series I'll bring up is actually one that just came off hiatus recently. Um, there's this one called Kill the Villainous that I really like on Tapas. Um, I think season three just started again. And I'll just read the description because I think it's pretty interesting. Eris Mysterian just wants to die. Being overworked and underappreciated in the real world wasn't great, but living as the villainous in a romance novel is even worse. If Eris can die in the novel, she might be able to return to reality, but the story won't let her. Desperate to escape a life as the protagonist's tormentor, she sets off on a journey with the help of a witch, a knight, and a high priest. Can she find her way back to her friends and family, or is Eris doomed to a fictional future? And um, what I really like about this series is like it's very nihilistic. Um, the tone is very dark. For like most villainous stories, I feel like they either lean toward hard toward comedy or toward like I really have to change the story. I have to like survive or whatever. But like usually, it's not that dark. Um, some of them do get dark, like. Um, Oh, villains are destined to die. Yeah, villains are destined to That one is pretty dark. But this one is yeah. like, I, I feel like this one, it can like be seen as darker because honestly, this this uh, protagonist that we have is like pretty like suicidal. Like her goal is just to die. Um, she hates the fact that she's like trapped and like forced to follow like the narrative or whatever. And she hates interacting with everyone. Um, the fact that she's like shoehorned into this role just really like pisses her off. And she does, like, everything in her power to, like, find a way to, like, escape through death. And I think what makes it, like, tolerable uh, for for such a, such a, like, a dark tone or whatever is the, is the fact that um, she really gets along well with her knight, um, who's, like, this commoner that she picks up. Because he is one of the few people who has, like, no connections. There's, there's nothing really tying him down to anyone. So she knows that he's the only one that she can really trust. And the witch that is mentioned in the description or whatever, uh, she's like one of the few people that she uh, that Eris opens up about like being a transmigrator. And I, I find that really interesting. Um, the fact that like it, it's brought up that uh, her her fate or whatever, like her um, her being in like a story doesn't really make sense to most normal people in that world or whatever, but the the witches have like their own logic and history and um they they can have like their own explanations for like what's going on and i think uh the way that it's sort of like tied into like the narrative um i think it's pretty unique and interesting uh it's something that i I feel like most stories about uh this kind of premise where it's like we got to change the the plot the narrative or whatever like they don't really address the fact that like there's implications of of like how the world works and stuff and um yeah i don't know it's just really gritty and i feel like that uh that tone and that that uh change of pace for for this kind of story like it works really well 
season three just started again. And I think one of my favorite things is the fact that she is just so over it. Um, she talks so much shit to everyone because she's like, I don't care about you. I'm engaged to the crown prince. And I know that he's cheating on me with like the, I guess the, the, the heroine or whatever. I hate the heroine too. Her goal. Wow. Yeah. She sounds like a real, <laughs> she's like such a, such a B word, but like she, wow. she's justified in it because everyone just like treats her um, like really bad. Like all the, all the stuff that villainesses do or whatever, like her, her character did before she took over and stuff. And she's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like maybe Eris deserves this kind of treatment for what she did, but also like, I'm just not going to stand and take it. And she dishes it back out. And I think that kind of attitude is something that you see a lot in like action fantasy and like the stuffing that boys like, uh, like Tomb Raider King solo leveling, like they're, they're always like eye for an eye type of attitude and uh, seeing it in like, um, like a romance fantasy is pretty refreshing. The crown prince is like such a dick, but she, in the most recent chapter, she told him to, to his face, like, yeah, maybe the heiress you knew would have gone back to you, still loved you, but I don't. And he, he was just like, gobsmacked and i'm just like yeah you stupid asshole <laughs> just stay like that because you're such a fucking idiot but yeah it's 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 a it's, it's a good series i like the 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 way you described it is that it really changes the like the usual trope of trying to like follow the story for the villainous um there's one that i enjoy quite a lot uh for it's, it's called i've become a true villainous and that one it also tries to like at first, she's trying to follow the story, but it quickly becomes an off-rail situation. Like, she just wants to... Her main goal is to just lie low and get through it and get through the story that she knows, but everything just completely changes and goes off the rails. So instead of, like, the heroine marrying this main character, she ends up marrying the main character, and the main character of the story becomes the villain. It, it's a whole like reverse swap thing but it's really interesting and that one sounds really interesting too yeah i like that um i think uh something that annoys most people about uh this kind of genre or whatever uh, is the fact that a lot of the times the main characters or, or like the transmigrator is like oh i have to survive i have to change the story but then like people start acting different they're like oh no why are people acting different from the story it's like yeah i wonder why idiot <laughs> At least in this one, like um, the the character knows like what to expect. Like, oh yeah, I'm I'm trying to mess things up because at the end of the at the end of the day, it's like um, it's it's kind of like the opposite goal. Like she wants to die, so she's just trying to like hasten things up and also like veer in that direction, um, which it's refreshing. That's a, yeah. I'll just use that word again. <laughs> but yeah. I will say that one thing that's hard about webtoons in, and, you know, like webtoons with a lowercase w as a genre is that there's a lot of stories that have very similar plots yep. and similar premises. And it's, it can be really hard to sort out which ones are worth re to mm -hmm. keep reading and which ones are just kind of, ah, they're just kind of phoning it in. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm so voracious. I, I sort through the chaff or whatever. <laughs> So you could just ask me like, hey, what's which one, which one in this particular genre is worth it? And I'll, I'll be like, okay, let me drop the list. That's good. You're doing the work for everybody. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am Sisyphus rolling up the the stone. I'm so guilty of like once I start something, I have to finish it. 
-hmm. with the exception of, and I've already told this to Brian, with the exception of Lady Devil, just about anything I read, once I start it, I have to finish, even if it's a really long series. So I see it through to the end. Um, even like I even do that with TV or movies, like or in regular novels, I have to finish. That's it. That's a lot of coins, eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I usually read on Manta for my my webtoons. I'm getting more into webtoon capital W now, but like as far as just any series that I'm reading, that's fair. I have my own uh, routine, I guess, where like if it's payday and it's like. One of those weekends on tapas where it's like, oh yes, the double, the double sale or everything is like, you you get twice as much your money worth for, for the the ink or whatever, or the coins. I'm like, oh yeah, it's time to get the the biggest amount, <laughs> and that'll usually last me like a month or two months or whatever. I want to make a little comment here, which is, hi, webtoon app companies, maybe you should give us some comp accounts, huh? How about that? Yeah. Maybe I've spent a lot of money on you so far. I don't know exactly how because this is all funny money, but trust me, I have. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe you should throw us a bone once in a while, huh? Because yeah. Yeah, or like at least have some kind of like I don't know, like like a like a loyalty perk or whatever, like just for people who obviously use the platform often and like give you money, like more benefits. I don't know. And we're influencers, aren't we? <laughs> True. Give us some review chapters. Like good... go for some review chapters. <laughs> yeah, I can't say volumes because it's not like most of them aren't printing, unless it's you know whatever. I will say Webtoon with a capital W has a, a marketing activation happening at New York Comic Con that I'm excited about. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, if you read the first five episodes of their new Assassin's Creed series, and they're they're free episodes, you can get a pin set. And the pin set includes a Lore Olympus pin as well as a few other ones. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. I guess, um, actually, that's that's a good pivot, I guess, because the next thing we wanted to make a note of was uh, some industry news that came out around Anime Expo and uh, also around the launch of episode one of the show, which is uh, Random House has a new imprint called Ink Lord, and they're, they're publishing webtoons along with other comics that, like, um, like Lore Olympus, I believe. Uh, that's a really popular one on, on Webtoon, capital W. I, I'm just gonna, we're, this is catching on. We're gonna well, start using it. Well, they're, they're also publishing both the novel and the graphic novel version of Under the Oak Tree. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, getting it in print. I'm also really excited that they announced, um, manga-wise, for uh, Loving You, Madakuna at level 999, because I absolutely loved that anime adaptation last the year. The anime was so good. That was, like, one of the few that I... Um, kept up with because i've been watching way less over time i've been within like a couple episodes i had to down i like find out where i could read it and when i found out that at the time it was exclusively on mangamo i didn't care i like immediately downloaded it applied for like a month's subscription and read everything that was available yep that was me with uh kodasha's k manga and shangri-la frontier <laughs> Oh, yeah, Shangri-La Frontiers is definitely a dark horse. It's worth reading. It's fun. It's getting even better, Deb. You don't understand. <laughs> they play so many different games. It's so good. It's like what Sword Art Online tries to be with all those, like, spinoffs or whatever, like the elf, yeah, the elf are, and the guns. Keep, people are snoozing on it now, but when the anime comes out, you know, I know. everyone's going to rush it. Kind of like with I'm going to be right there like, what did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we should be talking about... The Boxer. 
So the boxer, I'm going to say it like that every time, is written and illustrated by J.H. They are also known for The Horizon, Mosquito Wars, and What I Want to Tell You. The boxer is out in uh, in the U.S. for print release by Ice Press, and that's an imprint of Yen Press. The first three volumes are available now. The fourth one is scheduled for October. And um, yeah, the, the series is actually completed um, at 123 episodes on Webtoon. It has like um, like extra episodes and little like other extras like in between seasons, which pretty good. You get you get a, a good bank for your book. And um, yeah, I guess I guess we can just start talking about it. Um, I don't I don't really know where to start except that like I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> this was originally recommended to me by Dev uh, like a year ago at New York Comic Con, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. we were talking like at uh, I think it was when we were like bar hopping, and we were just talking about webtoons, and I, I recommended to you Your Throne, um, and you're like, oh yeah, that that sounds interesting, and and then you were and you were bringing up the boxer because also at uh. I believe the Coca booth. Um, they had uh, different publishers there, and they were promoting the boxer. And you're, you were like, "This is one of my favorite series." And I'm like, "Oh, okay," jotting it down mentally. And uh, now that we finally got to it, I'm like, "Yup, it was worth the hype." <laughs> you got it started, and now you're here with us. It's even better. Well, I was gonna say that it's one of the things that makes this such an interesting webtoon series is that. You know, like we were talking about how a lot of webtoons have, follow a certain genre of story, right? The villainous story, the go back in time and redo your life story, the um, the rich guy and the poor girl and, you know, the guy with the rich family. And then they get together through some kind of wacky means. Somebody gets bullied. You know, there's all kinds of there's generally relatively few buckets of stories that things start out from and go on from there. And sometimes the, the art can kind of look the same, right? But I think what makes the boxer stand out for me is that the story is, to me, wholly original. <laughs> like it's in a class, it's in a category all by itself, even for a sports story. And the artwork is very distinctive, and the the visual storytelling is very distinctive and masterful. So it, for me, it's like it's one of the few series in the webtoons uh, genre that I think just has something special. Yeah, I think it's very good at subverting expectations every step of the way. With each arc, there's something that you're expecting to happen or maybe an obstacle to be there, and it's just destroyed in an instant. And it, it's very good at catching you by surprise each step of the way. Actually, we should, before we get too much further, we should explain what the story's about. <laughs> That's true. So the boxer starts off... Um, it, it's interesting because you get like two three different characters at the start and you don't really know who is actually the protagonist um so we start off with um you who is like the really gloomy guy um he has this face that looks like um he is just over it um over life in general um he has the panda eyes looks like he's, he has never slept a, a day in his life um and he just he looks depressed constantly there's um, Ryu. Um, that's the white-haired boy, right? The one who looks like Bakugo. And um, he's like super violent. He's like a school bully. Um, and he actually gets picked up by uh, a boxing gym. 
he's like a prodigy, uh, like a fighting prodigy. And the other character is uh, one of one of the people he bullies. Um, yeah, so NJ is like uh, like a wimpy kid, uh, someone who gets bullied. He's like a target for that because he doesn't look like he, he could fight back or anything. But he actually idolizes boxers. Uh, I believe his dad is a, form, a former professional. And um, yeah, and as fate would have it, one day um, these three, they kind of like inter- intersect one day. There's a famous coach from the United States called Coach K, who he's known for raising professional boxers that always um make it to like the the, they become champions basically and but he has like a very specific brand of boxing where he wants people to just be like oppressive and like he's like farming violence basically and yeah uh, he he ends up being introduced to uh ryu or whatever but then there's something happens and when he sees uh the way that you like takes hits, um, he gets interested in, in, in him and he's just like, there's something about this kid. He has that factor that um, I'm looking for. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's kind of where it goes. Uh, Coach K ends up picking up you instead of Ryu and Ryu spurned as he is like, ends up like in a downward spiral. And uh, we get more of it later as we talked about, like there's a lot of little stories with different characters and we get to follow their lives over time. But we've, we, at, at one point, I forgot what chapter it was. It was like around like 15 or 20 or whatever, where it's, uh, we get like a fourth wall break where the narrator is like, but you was actually not the protagonist. He was the final boss. And we were just like, oh shit. <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments, like starting off. Like that's where I got hooked. Cause I'm like, oh shit, it's going to be like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I honestly, I, I really like the series and I really like um, Jake's storytelling. I feel like he's an artiste, capital A, where he has a vision and he uh, he knows exactly how to how to like pen it, how to panel it, how to like completely express what he wants to express or they. I don't know. I don't know their gender, but like I, I get goosebumps thinking about it because there's just something about the execution uh, like Deb said, like the art is amazing. It's like very unique. Something about the way that um, it's drawn, it's like perfectly suited for like that vertical scroll format. Um, the way that some of the action panels are, there's there's panels where like you'll see someone like winding up for a punch, and then the next one is just like like white space with like uh, imagine like those little like symbols of like like a pow, but like it's just white space where like uh, a limb or a face would be. And it's just like, whoa, it's like they hit them so hard that, that their face like evaporated or something. It's It just looks really cool. And besides that, like, there's also a lot of really introspective moments. Um, there, there's stuff about, like, I don't know, like pontificating life and, like, uh, what is the meaning and w- what people look for. Um, and, and stuff like that just really draws me in. I really like when there's, like, meat to to chew on for, like, character interactions, emotional moments, and, like motivations there's a lot of like people who box who like sometimes they're they're boxing and they don't really know why or like they're looking for something but they don't know what it is or like they're using boxing as like a vehicle to reach what they want and like i, I really dig that because that's so, something that a lot of sports stories do 
And I think that's the way that you appeal to people who don't really follow sports in general. Um, that's one of the aspects of, of comics that like can really draw someone into a, a genre that maybe they don't really partake in often. Yeah, I like what, the way that you were describing the, the kind of pow notion when you hit people. It, it becomes like a crater in their face, essentially. It's just a white space around this giant circle. Like, it looks like they just have been disappeared. Like, part of them is just gone. But really, when it zooms back out after that, their face is still there. It's just for dramatic effect, um, which I love. But I also really like what you're saying about the, as far as, like, different questions that they pontificate about um, throughout the series. So one of those is very early on, which um, in the printed version, it's like towards the end of the first volume. And that's uh, when you ask Coach K, is it fun to hit people? And I think that becomes such an like an overarching question without really meaning to be throughout the series for you. Yeah, there's a lot of like, I don't really know how to describe it, but a lot of like um, musings, I guess, about like, what is violence? Uh, when is it appropriate? Um how appropriate is it to like pursue violence in, in like a combat sport like this? And uh, the fact that like all of Coach K's boxers, um, they're known for being like such powerhouses and like dominating forces in their in their own right. But then like something about even even like throughout their careers, there's something missing that uh, Coach K never really got. And toward the end, when we realized like what it was or like how we got to that point, I feel like. I don't know. Just the way that it all like wraps up together is like it's really satisfying, but also like I don't know. I feel really complicated about it because um, I think Coach K is like a fascinating character. He's an asshole. I don't like him as, as like a person, but as like a like a driving force of the series, I think that he he does his job perfectly, and it's. It is kind of a spoiler to say what how Coach K develops over this series, yeah. you know, because like it, initially it does start out like, you know, like every sports smuggler, right? Where the coach is your friend, right? Like, or he's your mentor. He's a guy who's like trying to help you be the best you can be, you know, whether that's like in high queue, where the the, you know, the coach is like a guy who runs the convenience store down the street, <laughs> and he's just he's a coach because his grandfather can't. His his, coach, his grandfather was a legendary coach. Is you know too old to do it, but he just kind of does it anyway. He's kind of learning stuff along the way, but you know he's there for the guys, right? Like it's his ego's not a part of it. And then you got like the coach in Slam Dunk, who's this big roly poly guy, and he's just kind of he seems like he's not doing much at all, but he really is, you know, like a father figure, even though he's just kind of low key and chill. And then you start out with the boxer where you think that's what Coach K is. And then you discover there's more to it than that, that his motivations are not quite as honorable as you would expect from this John, just genre story. Yeah, if it wasn't obvious, his immediate response to use, uh, is it fun to hit people? He's like, yes, actually. <laughs> He's evil. Oh, my God. I feel like I could just see it in his eyes, like just the way that his eyes were drawn in a way seemed kind of sinister to me. I don't know how that makes sense really because like there's only so many ways you can draw an eye but <laughs> like the just maybe it's the blank stare of it or maybe a mixture with like his, his the tenseness in his jaw the way that's drawn maybe that's like the mixture of it but i don't know the 
Coach K is a real piece of work, to put it to put it simply. <laughs> um, but I mean, as far as what you were saying, as far like with the, the struggling a little bit on the series that you were mentioning earlier, this was not an easy series for me to pick up. Um, I had told Marion before that I am not a sports person at all. Um, I read very little sports things. I added a sports category to my Goodreads for this series. Um, I've since added a couple other things to that. Um, like, for example, previously, uh, Deb had mentioned the losing streak to me. And I read through that all in one night a couple weeks ago. So, um, it's spicy. It is. It is spicy. It, I see what you mean about the interesting use of, like, Kemi's cover-ups um, throughout that. But, yeah, I mean, like, with the boxer... It took me a lot longer than it normally does to get through. I I started reading. I got through. I want to say like fifty or so episodes, probably right around the the lightweight fight with Jean Pierre, and then I put it down for like two or three weeks because I I was just really kind of bored at that point and like well I have to get through it because like my time's running out to read it, and then after like ten or so episodes more I was all in for the rest of it. Yeah, I feel- it's quite a ride, isn't it? Because it it goes it. The difference in tone in each arc is really fascinating. And sometimes it's the the villains are really genuinely threatening. They're dark. They're, you know, you don't know who's going to win. Sometimes the, the the opponents are people you root for. Like like gosh, I hope I hope uh, they beat you, you know. And sometimes they're just downright silly. <laughs> so Jay takes you on this ride uh, that is really fun. Yeah, I like the fact that like each like challenge, I guess, for, for you is like its own arc. And like it every everyone has like their own story, right? And each story has its own tone. And like the fact that there's I, I feel like that variety in tone and story is like it's refreshing. Um I felt like uh it was really entertaining to be able to to go through these different stories and characters and backstories and it's like it, it's funny because that trope of like you you see the character's life flash before their eyes or like you get their whole backstory before like the villain uh gets like knocked out or whatever but like for most of the time uh these people that you was challenging they're not even like villains uh some of them are some of them are kind of mean villainous but like we we do feel sympathy for most of them due to like their circumstances and stuff like that and it, it really does, like, cement the fact that, like, you is just out here crushing dreams constantly without even, like, caring. Uh, he's just, like, wading through life, like, trudging. Um, as he, Well, he's relatively passive, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, like, he's um, he's just doing what he's told in a lot of ways. Yeah. And he just seems um, just ridiculously gifted in a way that, like, David on our podcast, uh, Moxley and said it, he didn't like it because he just comes into this just automatically strong, gifted, and just good at it without having to try very hard. And that's the kind of thing that he, you know, he doesn't find super interesting in sports manga. He likes the effort and uh, the growth. But I, I would argue that the effort and the growth that happens for you is emotional, not physical. I agree. And I feel also like there's a there's a way to do like the overpowered character where it's like super boring and trite and like always like it's just uh 
curb stomping everyone, but then that's the whole point of the story. But then there's this where um, this character who is like that overpowered presence is like a vehicle for showing how everyone else uh, tackles like in, an insurmountable mountain or, you know, like obstacles that like, how would they tackle this? And like most of the time it's like, yeah, you did a, a good effort, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't enough or whatever. And like, um, there's always these ideas in sports manga about like talent versus effort, and um, you kind of like personifies that uh, because he's like he's just like a ball of talent. But then, as he keeps like progressing through the ranks or like the the weight classes or whatever, he starts adding uh, hard work to that talent, like building up his body and getting stronger physically to be able to like keep up. And I, I think that's kind of interesting. Especially because most of the time, these characters uh, in sports manga, when they go through these arcs or like these uh, these phases where it's like them training to get stronger or whatever, usually it's with like drive and motivation to reach something. But you doesn't really have that. The only yeah, like you said, like you is kind of just like pushed forward by Coach K. He doesn't um, he he doesn't really have like uh, like desires. A lot of his journey is, uh, it, it boils down to him just trying to, like, find, like, meaning in life or, like, an explanation for, like, why the world is the way it is. Uh, just because of, like, all the stuff that he had, could, had to, like, go through. And when he, like, sees other people's experiences, um, you can see, like, a shred, or, like, a little bit of, like, like, empathy. But then every time, like, that comes up, uh, Coach K notices and he just stomps it out. And uh, it comes to it comes to be a story more about like, is you gonna be human or not, or like, it, will he like self actualize, really? And like, I think that's a really compelling way to to handle it because a lot of sports manga are about self actualization, about like a, a person like like growing and like coming into their own and like realizing that like oh this is who i am this is what i want to do this is why i'm doing what i'm doing or whatever and like you getting to that point is like i think that's compelling yeah the the setup is very much like at the very beginning it reads like it's gonna be a typical um manma version of a shonen battle manga and then it just completely shatters that but i think it's important that we don't forget that the way that you become so like embroiled with coach K and this is one of the few moments of real comic relief in this very dark series is that he needed a hospital bill paid <laughs> and a way to feed his cat. <laughs> These are very important details. We can't forget in his journey. Yeah. God bless that cat. Because it's, he seems that's the, the cat is the thing that keeps him from being a robot. You know, it's it gives you the reader that hint that there's a bit he has a heart in there, yeah, or he has feelings in there, and um, it it's an interesting, it's an intriguing little uh, tidbit that JH throws in here. So you don't, uh, so you start to kind of feel a little bit for him, or you wonder what's his deal, as he um, and over time he and he explains how he got this way. And it's pretty dark because I think the last arc of the boxer before the end is probably the darkest and hardest part of the story to read. Yeah. But, I, you know, I think the way he leads up to that is pretty smart. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, even I love the part like in one thing I really enjoy about reading it on Webtoon is that 
um, in the in-between seasons part, like JH has all these little personal essays, like these super funny little cartoons about what he, about the character backgrounds of the characters, how he came up with them and how he feel, how he felt about each, creating each part. And so like, he even explains that he says like, you know, I, the, the part right before the last arc is a pretty silly character opponent who looks like Albert Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> And he goes, I had to do something super silly because we're heading into the super dark part of the story. So I needed to give you guys some comic relief. <laughs> I enjoy that, like that, you know, that aspect of reading webtoons is that, you know, there isn't every now and then there's these breaks where the author will ex you know, kind of talk to you, the reader, and give you a little behind the scenes look at what they're doing and what how they're thinking. I think that's really fun. Yeah, and I think that kind of stuff is really necessary for in like this modern climate for comics. Like, it's good to one give the author a break to get them time to like think for the rest of the story and like plan things out and like also just give them a break from drawing so that they don't overwork themselves. <laughs> but then like getting that behind the scenes as well is also a really it's something that a lot of readers really appreciate. Because they do want to know, like, oh, how did the author come up with this? Uh, what inspired this? Or, like, wh why did they make these decisions or whatever? And then having the author being able to answer that kind of stuff. Or, like, even just, like, respond to, like, comments. Because uh, some sometimes in, their, in Webtoon platforms, uh, readers can leave comments and the authors will read them. And uh, maybe they'll it'll, it'll uh, have them think of something to say or whatever. And I, I think that's good. It's something that you don't really see that much. I feel like in manga, you get that a lot in like weekly magazines uh, with like their author comments or whatever. And then like in, in collected volumes, you usually get that with like the, the inside cover, um, like author notes or whatever. But a lot of those just kind of boil down to that. You don't really get much else unless it's like something like One Piece where they'll have like the SBS corner and like answering reader questions and all that kind of stuff. But not every series has that, so. Yeah. I like that it's a good way to connect with the author and really kind of get to know them on a, a little bit of a deeper level, just because most of the time, if an author is listed, then it's usually just like a pen name and finding information about them, especially in different manga series, is really difficult online. Unless like Webtoon is a little bit better about it, where Webtoon is capital W, where they will... Um, show other series by that author on their platform and so you can kind of connect that way a little bit as well and sometimes authors will have little bios on there um, but the, the little extra chapters behind the scenes is so interesting on a lot of these different series i know um i also had read the horizon mosquito wars by jh for this and or part of the horizon and at the end of mosquito wars they have a really long section that's a behind the scenes thing and Mosquito Wars was written right before the boxer. And so there was a long section detailing about this new series that they were going to write. It was going to be a sports manhwa. And they were so excited to branch into something different and dark. So, Yeah. Um, I guess this is a good time to transition into, like, the major fights that you goes through. So, like, he goes through all the weight classes. And starting off uh, is the lightweight uh, class because he's a pretty scrawny boy. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, the first uh, Titan he must face is John Pierre Manuel, um, who is like actually kind of, I guess like he's visually and like, I guess emotionally the most similar to you in that he's kind of deadpan. He's like, he doesn't really seem to express much uh, physically, 
Um, and at least that's how people view him. And I think for like a first um, stepping stone for his career, for use career or whatever, like it, it's interesting, especially because uh, Jean Pierre like takes boxing very seriously. Um, he treats it like an art form and also just like the science behind it. Um, but he also has like a very, I don't really know how to describe it. He, there's like a side to boxing that he feels is like, I want to say like not supernatural, but like something else that's not just like the logic and the the, the science behind it. Um, there's like an emotional factor to it that um, he considers. And when he sees like you like skyrocket to like his, his current position and like challenging him and stuff, he's like, I know that I can't beat him in my current state. There's something about uh, you that like is different from the other uh, boxers that I've faced. Like it's like he's faced death. So he's like, okay, to get on that level, I should face death too. And he's like, starts like going up against gang members and like people who have like knives and guns and stuff. And he's, and he's just like, yes, this is, this is what he's gone through. This is, this is how I will beat him or whatever. And I'm just like, you are insane. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess do you, it looks like it's working. <laughs> uh, do, do you have any like special feelings about uh, this particular matchup? I mean, the first time I saw Jean-Pierre, I honestly, it was before they introduced him. They just showed him in the distance watching one of Yu's fights. And, like, this is before you get into any of Yu's backstory. I honestly thought that Jean-Pierre was, like, his long-lost father and there was going to be some really intense reunion. But that didn't happen at all. So I'm kind of grateful for that, to be honest. Uh, I feel like it would have been a weird and easy gimme. But I like Jean-Pierre. I like that he has a little more tying him down in the background to like a personal story that also parallels with you later on and something to come home to outside of boxing to really he's so intense with his boxing something that pulls him back to the real world and makes him think about life more i really like that yeah i really like that parallel and i like the fact that um through that like relationship with his like his girlfriend i guess future wife or whatever and like their their relationship it shows like a, like a potential avenue for you in his future uh, where like, yeah, even if he's like considered monstrous or, and like inhuman or whatever, like there's still, we know that there's humanity in him and this is like a potential avenue for his growth. I like seeing that, especially because like uh, later on we do get like, not teases, but like actual developments with him and Carmen, who's like, uh, becomes like his love interest. Um, stuff happens. <laughs> I like that it takes a while because, you know, Obviously, you know, a love interest doesn't really make sense when you've got someone who's as dead-eyed and unemotional <laughs> as he is, mm -hmm. right? So, and it's, it almost, you know, it took a while, it takes a while for that, that thread to come out. But I think it's almost natural because so many of the other fighters are fighting for something, right? They're, or they're, um, they have someone on the side, on the ringside who desperately doesn't want them to get hurt or killed frankly. <laughs> so that adds that level of uh, high, that it raises the stakes for the story to have those characters. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, having that aspect as well, like there's parts of boxing that don't just necessarily take place in the ring, like all the stuff before you get into the ring, like the, the prep, the training, the making sure like your, your weight class is like lined up perfectly and all that stuff. And then uh, actually like is it the next? No, it's like two matches from now. 
is like the when they go up against the brothers and like there's the, their whole shtick is like psychologically threatening the the opponent uh, and to the point where they can't focus on the match and like yeah it's, it's like there's there's a lot of different aspects of boxing that maybe people don't realize like off the bat especially if um they don't really follow the sport i think he's like a good uh primer for that because we see like almost every aspect of what goes into like preparing for like a, a championship title match yeah I, I like him too i think he's a i think he's an interesting character but i think the next uh the next guy is like probably one of my favorites <laughs> There's a uh, Yuto Takeda who is the welterweight uh, champion. He is like the embodiment of hard work. The the man who has zero talent, but he works so hard that he's he squeezed every last drop of blood out of the stone in order to like he he, he plateaued and then at one point he's like broke the plateau and I'm just like yes yes <laughs> oh my god he's the ultimate underdog and like. Um, when when Dev said that there's there are people who um, go up against you that you actually root for them like he's the first one that comes to mind because he's just he's the underdog he he's literally like he just tries so hard dude he just want to see him succeed and he's a straight up tribute to Hachimino Iwa yeah, right the the, lit, the the um super awesome and very long running boxing manga um, that's published by Kodansha and is available as a um, animated series that's put on it's on Crunchyroll and has been released on DVD Blu-ray by uh, Disco Tech. It's a really, really great series. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's one, one of my favorites. is, is uh, all about hard work, man. And he's really chipper and really, you know, just a nice guy. And he just works hard. So you can definitely see that in this character. Yeah, for sure. You two is very much the, the antithesis for you. Um, or of you, and he, there's just something about his determination and his, his even his optimism throughout his arc that is really refreshing when everything else has been so kind of abysmal. I think that's what pulled me back into the story after my break was really seeing the triumph and the building of Yuto just trying to find a way that he could stay, even stand a chance with you because just watching the fight with John Pierre, he didn't think he stood a chance. And so that's how we kind of got that that shonen battle section, just in that small arc. But it was it was very satisfying to read Takeda's story. Yeah, it was refreshing, especially because up to this point, most of the boxing that we've gotten is like very um I would say like realistic, like rational boxing, like science-based boxing or whatever. And this one is more like idealistic. This is about like the ideals behind the fist. Uh like uh this is this is what I'm I'm fighting for and all that kind of shit. It's just I don't know. It's, it's satisfying because it's um, the kind of like gumption that you expect from most sports stories, where it's just like, yeah, the characters that gotta have grit, but also like passion. Um, the passion is what really motivates Yuto because he he wants to be a boxer. He wants to like he looks up to to boxers and like even though he knows he's not cut out for it, and his coach like reminds him like this is going to be the hardest path you've ever taken. But if you really want to do it, I'll help you through it. And like that kind of relationship is like what, um, what Deb was saying earlier, like in, in a lot of sports manga, like that's the kind of relationship that you expect between a boxer and their, and their coach or like uh, any like athlete and their coach really. And it, it's, it's refreshing. It's satisfying because 
uh, up to this point. A lot of the relationships we've seen are kind of toxic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's good stuff. I, I feel like uh, I would be at home just watching this like on TV as like a drama or whatever with some popcorn. I'm like, oh yes, I'm eating this up. This is my favorite kind of narrative. <laughs> I hope I hope that someday they animate this because I think it could be really stylishly done yeah. as a story. You know, I mean, I'm looking at volume two where there's uh, the redheaded character Kasim, hmm. um, who is rich, arrogant, and stupid. Yeah, but somehow strong, right? And there, I love that there's this interlude when they talk about it where he he does his dumbass he does this move where he he hits people with both fists at the same time. And then J.H. does this interlude where he goes, by the way, this is incredibly stupid. This does not work in real life. Here's why. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it's really delightful because it's like, again, he's a, a counterpart to Ryu, right? Because like he's loud, he's rich, he's arrogant, and he's also theoretically very gifted. <laughs> when he shows up to the gym, he's fat, and then he just loses weight like nobody, like like so easily so it's like oh that's fun you know it's like because the one the, the opponent right before it was a boxer who's kind of like a heel right kinda like a wrestling heel so you think okay things are kind of going as expected and then you get to this one and you're like okay this is kind of silly but i'm down and then it just i just enjoyed this kind of whoop, whoop, up down down up and down you know this just the character he was creating because they're so distinct and they're also distinct with their colors like you you know like one character has green eyes and you you can tell and, and the other character has yellow eyes and yellow yellow boxer shorts and Utah has blue so like the color story uh for each character really is interesting too that was something i really liked that you had brought up in in the manga splitting episode about the boxer um, I think it was 95 was the, the episode number. Um, but just about the color, because I think that's something that at least I know I take for granted reading Manwa because I'm so used to just seeing everything in color that I, I don't think about these little details in the way that you think about it reading manga for your show all the time. Um, and in, in regards of like Kasim, I think about it in the the way he's kind of a comic relief with his his bright red hair and how ridiculous he he free flows around in the same way. Um, I think it's the cruiserweight champion Grigorovich. He's the same exact way. The the Mohawk guy. He's in oh the Mohawk guy. He's hilarious. Yes. Didn't he also <laughs> have red hair though? Yeah, but the thing that's hilarious about him is that he's so he's so I guess narcissistic and. It be, and he's so strong that he makes everyone around him wear mohawks, even his manager, who actually hates him. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I felt so bad for that manager. I would also argue that Kasim is probably very narcissistic as well. They're they're definitely a pair of interesting redheaded men. Yeah. I mean, I would say that you know the the color thing is something I think you see in manga all the time too, right? Like like Zoro and and is green in one piece nami is orange um you know sanji is yellow you know like there's a color story happening with each character and they look very if, if you one of the thing that i think uh, some cartoonists don't really pay attention to is that having each character have a, a distinctive silhouette 
you know, that even if you saw them from a distance or you saw them completely shadowed out, you could tell who that person was just by looking at the way the shadow that they like the shape of their hair, their body, how their body is and so on, how they carry themselves, their body language. There's a lot of thought that went into this. JH also definitely did something like that with just with Yu's character at least, where he had that kind of shadowed out version of a shadowed out version of him that it, like it was just a glow of an eye and like a, a weird menacing grin on his face. He wasn't even trying to to be menacing. It was just their image of him as a monster, not the way that Yu was projecting himself. And I think that's an interesting way to be looking at you rather than seeing you's perspective and the way that they can build silhouettes like that. Yeah, I feel like um, in like the character design department, uh, there's something about um, the choices that JH makes to like make their characters distinct that is it's kind of interesting. Um, they do this thing where it's it's it reminds me a lot of um, Oh Mushy Petal where it's like the author has like a like different traits like oh these kind of eyes these kind of noses these kind of mouths and this kind of head shape and it's like playing Mr. Potato Head <laughs> we're like assembling different pieces to make like a like a distinctive character and i think that's fun in in terms of character design some people might think that it's like not that different from like having same face syndrome or like um the characters in some sense kind of still look similar to each other but uh, adding like the color to it um, help, really helps like ha- uh, make the characters pop out um, at least like visually. Um, do you want to move on to the Santorino brothers? So there are these brothers, the Santorino brothers that uh, Marco and Fabrizio, where they are like the ultimate heels in boxing, modern boxing. They are the coach and middleweight title holder. And basically their shtick, which I brought up earlier, was that they love to terrorize their opponents uh, before the match starts. Like, just make the make them go through the worst possible conditions so that they're, like, just completely off their game. They can't concentrate on anything. Um, but the, the twist that we find later is that they don't really actually threaten people like that, you know? It's not like their lives are really in danger, you know? But, like... They do some crazy shit. <laughs> like this, like the first guy that they go up against before you, um, they like threaten his daughter or something. I don't really remember the details, but like it, it gets to the point where like the the man it, he cannot sleep at night. Um, he's worried, sick, and like he doesn't uh, know what to expect. He's also like angry because he's like, why did, why are they targeting my family specifically? Uh, they have nothing to do with this. I'm. They should just focus on the fight, whatever, and like surprise at the end she's like oh i was safe you know but like oh my god they're they're just like i won't won't call them evil because uh they're not like actually i don't think they they actually killed anyone um at least in boxing (laughs) and when when we get to see their backstory we do kind of sympathize sympathize with them a little bit like why they want why they went into boxing to begin with um why the, the the older brother decides to be the coach instead of like and the actual athlete or whatever, he's like the brains of the operation. Um, there's something about their relationship that even though like they're totally assholes and like really mean and like opportunists um, that take advantage of everything that could possibly fuck up someone's day, um, that they're still 
there's still something that like I don't I don't, I don't want to say like I, I respect them for it, but like I get where they're coming from, and like they still have the passion for boxing, even though like they stoop to these um, to these uh, shenanigans because they know that there's something that they're lacking that otherwise they wouldn't be able to reach the point that they have. And in that sense, I kind of respect them for it. But also, like, dude, <laughs> they're kind of fucked up. <laughs> but they make for really good entertainment. I will say that. Yeah, the Santorino brothers were absolutely my favorite part of the whole series. Um, I, they really are what got me through the rest of it because I was just so enamored with their backstory and how they weren't actually quite as evil as they were portrayed to be. That it really just it shifted my perspective of how I viewed them. And I think uh, Fabrizio, especially getting a kind of a redemption arc throughout the end of it is also really important, but I, I absolutely adore their backstory and how, not that they had to go through terrible things. That's horrible, but (laughs) that the appreciation that they have for their experience and their mother and their sister, the the way that they went through everything and how they handled it. I can just, like, I picture their mom making them this horrible tasting meat pie and them just being so happy to have it and be there together as a family to eat it together. That it really just, like, rung, it it connected with me very well. Yeah, I appreciate that they uh, spent time to introduce us to these characters, make us kind of, kind of think, oh, no, they're terrible, you know, they're, they're, we must beat them, right? And then later on reveal much, I don't know whether it's something he did purposefully, he planned on doing, or, you know, the character got popular. So they, he decided to give them more of a backstory um, to the point where you're rooting for them too. It's interesting that way. And I think it's especially interesting because this is the arc where we really get in full force the fact that um, Coach K is like, he's not on the side of good. He's like, He's the one who, like, takes advantage of the fact that, like, dude is going up against these heels that, like, um, makes out their actions to be worse than they really are. Um, like, he leads on you to believe that they kidnapped Carmen, that uh, they beat her and, like, they perpetuated this violence and, like, trying to just shake him up or whatever. But really, it was Coach K behind it because the conversation that Carmen had with, um, is, it, is it Fabrizio, the older one? No, or the, I forgot, uh, Marco, Marco. Um the conversation they had together. Oh, by the way, Carmen is uh, used manager. She she also has a relationship with uh, with Coach K as like um, she was like orphaned and was picked up by him or whatever. But like that's really. Weird. But um, yeah, like they, she develops a bond with you and like um, Coach K and the the brothers use that to their advantage in order to like upset him mentally and try to like screw with his focus so that he can that's their game plan like so so that they can win the boxing match but like coach k who is like her savior the one who like basically like uh saved her life or whatever is also the same one who like veered like a half inch away from her for dying and like it's it's crazy like the the lengths that he will go to for his goals this is when when we realize that he doesn't care about you or like the the people around him he just wants to like achieve whatever it is that he's searching for through boxing, which, like I said, it's just he's just farming violence at this point. I think it, I think it's, it was really smart of JH to like really flip it, uh, where it's like, oh yeah, the Fabrizio brothers are evil; they're they're like the natural heels and, and whatever. But like, no, it's actually K 
Kane, who was like actually evil. Like that was the perfect time for to to make that juxtaposition. I think there was a few times throughout the series I was really just kind of hoping that he would lose. I really wanted him to lose, especially with the Fabrizio brothers. Um, I I wanted him to kind of feel that weight of defeat and have to try again and really just kind of bring K down as well. But like I think it that goes with how this arc makes K so sinister and in actuality rather than just maybe he, there's something off about him that it makes you root against them even if even if you like you they're kind of a, a unit team and it makes you not always on their side yeah i think um well personally i feel like if you lost it wouldn't really affect him emotionally or like his like character journey i don't think it would like have really affected it that much because at this point his investment is really in carmen um, he's, he doesn't really have, uh, like a drive for boxing or like a passion for boxing. So like, I feel like facing a loss wouldn't really change much for him. He would just be like, Oh, well, okay. I guess I lost, but, uh, coach is going to make me fight again. So whatever, like, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, the way that it's like laid out the story and like his character journey, I feel like it wouldn't really, it wouldn't be that pivotal for him to lose. I do feel like that Kay would have dropped him if he'd lost, though. Like, I, I get that you wouldn't really care because he has so much... He, he has a focus with Carmen, and he doesn't really care about boxing that much other, otherwise, other than trying to find whatever the light is that he saw in Jay's eyes at the very beginning. But I think Kay honestly would have dropped him because the monster that he was building so long for all of a sudden for him to lose it it feels like a waste and he's maybe he's not the monster he built after all yeah um the story would have just ended there (laughs) do you have anything else you want to share about the brothers otherwise i guess we can move on to carmen just like her deal um so like i brought up carmen was actually like an orphan that uh was picked up by by k or there's so many letters in this (laughs) uh coach k um which we've, we actually kind of we get more on that later with k's backstory but um she basically like owes her life to him and uh she ends up working under him um she becomes youth manager and she develops a bond with him as she's like sort of like managing him and like uh making sure that like he's like in tip-top shape and like when it comes to his match against the brothers or use match against the, the fabrizio brothers um that's when they kind of connect more because she's basically next to him like 24 seven under surveillance. And that's when she realizes that like, Oh, he's kind of like, yeah, he was like abnormal, but also there's like a sliver of humanity in him um, because she sees like the way he treats his cat. And like, that's like the one thing he really cares about. And she's like, I kind of want to draw more emotions out of him. So let's try to like, find his humanity and she like asks him out on a date they go out and like it's funny because they they end up meeting um jean pierre and his girl and like <laughs> i think I, that was one of my favorite like little side stories or whatever because they see each other and they're just like what are you doing <laughs> you don't look like the type of person to be on a date <laughs> um yeah i don't know it, it was it was entertaining but also like that relationship is also the reason that Coach K ends up taking advantage and like uh, using those circumstances in order to really draw out the beast. 
uh, doing the opposite of what Carmen is doing. Um, and it's like this, this kind of like tug uh, between like turning you more, more human and more and more monster, basically. Like that kind of dynamic I thought was pretty interesting. And yeah, I think mean, Carmen as a character, I think she's cool because she usually comes off as like kind of like no nonsense, standoffish, businesswoman, whatever. But seeing her like gradually realize like, oh, I kind of have feelings with him. I was at the first, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just trying to like help him out. But then like, oh, I'm following him. I think that was really endearing. Yeah, I I agree with your your perspective on Carmen. She is very much there to recognize the humanity in you and I, I agree with you that the cat is very much a huge part of that and recognizing that there is something just anything in the world that you cares about and it really is like you said a, a tug of war between coach k and carmen for understanding whether you is a monster or a human or what lies in between i do think that the way things resolve without spoiling it too much um with you and Carmen's story, I, I do think it was a little too easy the way it came across um, as far as like a resolution. But I do like that Carmen was able to break free of Coach K and that becomes a whole separate kind of wake up call in its own right. Yeah. Um, do you have any particular feelings about Carmen, Deb? I would say that I wasn't a huge fan of that that aspect of his story. <laughs> like, it, uh, I guess it seemed too easy <laughs> but at the same time I, I know that it was necessary because well you know he what you was missing what all the other fighters had or most of them had was some reason to win or some reason to live um, some reason to keep trying or some reason other than themselves or coach k to win or to stay alive so, you know, real got as far as he did because he had nothing to lose and no, and no reason, and he was just following orders pretty much, like a like a like a soldier would, right? Like a, and so, mm, I guess it's really interesting, right? Because so then when you know when his when he does have his kind of I guess emotional breakthrough, uh, it would have been pretty sad for him to not have someone to live for, or someone some reason to you know be human but you know for me that relationship was you know kind of tacked on at the end honestly <laughs> it's not a romance manga by any stretch of imagination i mean there are r romantic relationships in there but it's not the primary focus of the story and i don't think that's a bad thing yeah i can see where you're coming from uh especially because like tonally it doesn't really fit I think the reason I like it is that uh, I appreciate the idea and also just the way that it fit in thematically with um, like Kay's plan and how it worked itself into like that juxtaposition between like, oh, who is the real evil one or whatever. Um, I think that makes sense. But then like when it comes to uh, use character development, uh, I can see why for a lot of people it would be off-putting or like, like you said, like uh, he didn't really have anything to lose until this point. Like that makes a lot of sense. I I didn't really see it that way until now, but it does make sense to me. Um, I guess we can move on to the cruiserweight uh, champion Victor Gorievich. 
which we did bring up earlier. He's the Mohawk guy. He's the guy who is, he's just like a ball of brute strength and a lot of luck because he has zero technique. He is not a real boxer by convention, uh, like, yeah, like uh, by normal terms or whatever. Um, he just, like, he's durable enough to, like, take a lot of hits and eventually land a punch that just knocks them out because, he's you know, he's just so strong. And All he needs is one good hit. He's one punch man, but like only if he's like a pachinko machine. <laughs> um, he just he's just really lucky, I, and I think that's really fucking funny because it, it gets to the point where he's like, "Oh, I must train so that my my fist can beat mountains, my fist can beat a volcano, my fist can beat lightning. That's how strong I am. This is how I will uh, keep my crown or beat the next challenger or whatever because this." This guy, you, is he's just such an inscrutable force of nature that I must beat nature to, to beat him or whatever. That's his logic because, you know, he's not a very – he's not the brightest bulb in the shed. But uh, <laughs> I, he's, he's pretty entertaining. Like Amber said, like I feel really bad for the coach because the coach was just like, yeah, whatever. I'll make a bet with you. You'll definitely just meet your match because you have zero technique. And like – but, you know, he's just so lucky. <laughs> Literally, like he's just – I think that's just like it, it's an aspect of um, sports that like doesn't really get addressed, but like luck is a factor. Um, and actually, like this is like a little just a little side story from like back my athletic days in high school. Um, I used to play street handball a lot uh, in high school, and there were times where I was matched up against like some of the best people at school, and like I never made the team, but I would practice with them a lot because I was just I was just always around and I had a lot of fun playing it. But um, there were times where I would beat people who were on the varsity team and they would look at me and they would just be like, you just got a lucky hit. And I would look at them straight in the eye and be like, yeah, but at least I was there to take advantage of it. I don't know where the fuck you were. But like, because <laughs> I think a major factor when it comes to luck is being able to actually grasp at it, like um, being there for the opportunity, like. Yeah, maybe it, uh, maybe it was like a lucky shot or whatever. But to be able to position yourself and like um, be in the like the right spot to to make it happen, like make that shot work, um, there's a skill in that. And like, I think part of uh, Victor's skill is from the fact that like he's so durable. He's like such a like a massive muscle that like he can just take hits. He can last long enough to be able to get to that point where he can take his opportunity but that doesn't make it like any um any better for like the coach or like the people watching they just look at him they're like what the hell is this or but then he does have fans too where uh they they follow his cult and they get mohawks and stuff and i think that's really funny um how did you guys feel about this arc I, he was definitely the comic relief again for me. Um, as I said, I felt so bad for his manager throughout the, or coach, whichever role he was. I couldn't quite, I don't quite remember if it was manager or coach or just a combination. Either way, um, the fact that he just had to get a mohawk. I wouldn't, I don't remember. Did he end up getting rid of that mohawk when, once he loses? I don't, I don't think I've ever, I didn't see that. <laughs> I, it's I something I need to know. I don't remember. I feel like it could have happened. Or maybe he just really embraced the cult of the Mohawk and the, the studded vests. I don't know. He definitely but, did. <laughs> <laughs> either way, it was still really funny. Um, 
the fact that like seeing him trying to punch lightning i i couldn't i'm like what am i reading right now this this is in real life <laughs> i mean obviously it's not but still um the the reality was really shattered there for me um but Grigorovich, he's such a strange person just in his own way and like knowing that he's he's built himself in a way that he's just a tank he'll take any hit and take a few hits even from you i think he took like a few hits before anything like happened to him um but he still got his one punch in it just wasn't effective enough you know that's kind of what i enjoy about that this particular part it's like it's i love it when comics creators both mono and manga just kind of go like you know what is this comics this doesn't have to be real this doesn't have to follow any logic of physics and science and gravity and whatever, right? Gum gum pistol, what the hell, right? Why not? Like, it doesn't have to make sense. It's entertainment. Have fun with it. And I love it when comics writers go like, you know what? Yeah, let's just do this. <laughs> and it's cool. You know what I mean? I think sometimes like, like you're a Marvel and DC, like, or even, you know, like general comics, like they're like, you get people to talking nonsense arguments like well the hulk could beat superman because this that and the other thing and it's like i don't care i don't care i don't care i don't care what what reasons you have for this doesn't matter it just be entertaining <laughs> and that's what i you know that's what i enjoy about you know series like this and yeah i think about this in one piece too it's like one piece has its own logic and uh, that's okay. It's fun. The main thing he's caring about is not whether this makes sense in any scientific or realistic kind of way. It's not real. It's comics. <laughs> so have fun. Make it, make it, the main thing is keep it entertaining. Have it make sense within the logic of that world. But just make it fun to read. That's all. Maybe I should have seen it coming with like the craters in the face and everything all along. <laughs> it just it felt like such a break in logic all of a sudden but after everything had been going steadily for so long. But I, I'm okay with it. It just was definitely a surprise. I mean, those things with the book in the air, those are metaphorical, you know, which I think is really, I don't think it's meant to say this actually happened. Like, you know, things like the scene in volume one where Baku, uh, He's on the balcony, right? I can't blame you. I can't blame you. I can't blame you. It's it's a metaphor, and it's so great, you know. Yeah. It's. I think that's what I really enjoy is like these visual metaphors that are happening that it communicates uh, emotion and feelings and action in a way that it's. Yeah, I mean, he was never sitting on a mountain. That's just how he feels, right? Yeah. I, honestly, I think it's 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 good because then that's also keeping to the whole uh, it's comics thing where it doesn't have to be like super realistic. I feel like uh, whenever I see those uh, those scenes with like the, someone gets punched so hard that it's like their face evaporates or whatever, I treat that as like um like when you watch animation like impact frames basically like it's just like something there to like oh yeah this is the moment of impact you know but like yeah I I, I also like I, I'm glad when uh, I'm glad to see uh, whenever uh, a comics creator like really embraces the medium because there's only so much that you could do when you're just like grounded in, in like realism and like 
yeah, sometimes people want like uh, like a human drama uh, and like something that they can like relate to because it's real and all that stuff. But also like it it can be too heavy at times, you know. Like part of um, part of the reason like uh, he did this arc, like Amber said, was that he needed something before like the final arc that's just like more lighter in tone. And being able to like use the medium to your advantage in this way um, shows like a lot of um, one. It shows like artistic talent. Two, it also shows um, emotional intelligence because you can't just bombard your reader constantly with like tragedy and like grief and like really heavy topics all the time. You need levity, um, and it also just um, it's it's just fun. And sometimes people need fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, I will say that's partly why I find it really hard to continue reading Villains Are Destined to Die. That's fair, like, yeah. I need to take a break from it. Yeah. Uh, it's too heavy. Sometimes I just, I want something fun or silly or romantic. I mean, come on, we like it or not, we're still in this stupid pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, sometimes I just like a little, yeah, something a little light and fun and stupid yeah. <laughs> every now and then. Like greatest real estate developer, that's my jam. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess um, we can move on to Aaron Tide, the heavyweight champion. Um, he is Coach K's uh, most successful project up to this point. He's like someone that he picked up. Uh, I don't remember the circumstances. Was he like on vacation or he was he was traveling somewhere and um, Aaron was like his taxi driver, I think, right? Um, they ended up witnessing something, I think like a woman getting assaulted. And Aaron intervened, um, ended up like, what did he get stabbed? I believe, and then he just took it and like he did he contract his muscles so hard that the knife couldn't be like taken out? Did I imagine yes, that? That is exactly what happened. Yeah, and then uh, Aaron was just like, "This is your fault," or I forgot what he said, but like he's like, "Don't don't hate me for this," but like you had it coming, and he just like dexed him so hard he's fucking passed out, and like you see like a dent in his skull or something. He's just damn, this guy is strong as hell. And Coach K is like, yes, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And I'm just like, oh, no. No, not to this guy. He's so cool and he's so nice. But um, the good news is that I think that's the woman he eventually marries, I believe, right? And has kids with. Um, so good ending for him. But oh, Rocky, it's, you ended up getting embroiled with Coach K. I can't say that it was like a completely good thing. But um. Aaron Tide is like he's a really cool character. He's um he's this really tall, buff black guy who's like he's very honorable, and I don't know like he's just he just looks like a stand up dude. But then obviously that that means uh he's not exactly what uh, Coach K is looking for because he has humanity and because he has like compassion and like ideals. Um, eventually their relationship does break off, but um. He is used uh, opponent for like the final, the sixth belt um, in his like stretch to to claim all the titles or whatever, and um, their fight is really really satisfying. It, it has like the the level of action and like, um, it, it's like I, I don't want to call it like a drawn out fight because uh, the thing is that like a lot of used fights are blowouts and it's just like off the bat. It takes like maybe what like three four chapters max usually, maybe a little longer to when you like include the backstories and stuff but i felt like we got a, about as much action as we did backstory for for aaron and that made it like really intense to the point where i was like 
damn, like I'm way more invested than I was expecting to be. But yeah, I think uh, it was also interesting seeing like a use evolution up to this point. Um, now he's a lot more stronger buff because he's a heavyweight. Like he trained to, to get to that point where his body's like uh, just as fast and like, or just as strong as like he is fast and like it can keep up with his reflexes. And he's going to need that because Aaron is just as much of a, a, a physical monster as you. And we see that in how they keep up with each other. The fact that like you has to do everything in his power to like dodge because he knows that if he takes a hit, he's gonna he's gonna get like shattered. That's just how strong Aaron is. And um, yeah, I mean, Aaron's a really compelling character to me. I think the fact that he's married with kids or a kid—I don't remember if it was multiple—but um, yeah, like he he's interesting. I think um, he is like the. If Jean Pierre was like a possible future for you, Aaron could also be like the next step where it's like, oh, you're settled down. Um, maybe you, you're not you're not a boxer anymore, or like you are boxing, but like you you have stuff to look forward to outside of it. Um, you have a life outside of what you do professionally, and you have like a genuine connection with people. Like that's something that you doesn't really strive for anything, but it would this would be something that I feel that's what Carmen was kind of aiming for um in like how how she interacts with you and it's also like i think it's what you need or needed um in order to really i don't want to say in order to self-actualize because that's that's a different part of his journey but it's something that he would need to um grow as a person in a another another stage of his growth that like we haven't really gotten to because as it is now up to this point you has just been like drowning in like a puddle or like a like a ditch um of just like misery and like nihilism a a lot of like negativity and like he doesn't really know what to do he's just like wading through life aimlessly uh doing what people tell him to do because he has no motivation and part of like uh the conversation we had earlier where it's like people all the people that you has gone up against they have someone outside of boxing or in their corner who is like their reason outside of themselves and like i guess the sport itself to to be able to live and aaron tide like personifies that he is what i would call like i guess the ideal um personification of a boxer of like this is like the end goal that most people aim for like he's he's successful he's uh he's he's rich he has a, a family and he has a loving relationship with his family. Meanwhile, you is just like, he doesn't really have anything at all, especially at this point where his relationship with Carmen is like out of the picture because of the way that uh, Coach K kind of handled it. And I don't, I don't remember if you was aware or not of if, if uh, that Coach K was the one behind the violence that she went through and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it's just, you was like a victim throughout the whole the whole series and like this is like the step in his journey where i realized that like yeah there's there's a lot that like needs to be done in, in order to really like save him and at, a, at this point i didn't really know if we were ever going to get that or not well something that i think is important to make sure that we don't forget about the fight with aaron tide is that right before he retired to avoid it and it was carmen and her quest for trying to get humanity out of you that got him to go through with the fight. 
And so that's just really going back to what you said about like Aaron being a symbol for humanity and justice for in this fight with you. Um, and this isn't quite as related, but you had mentioned that he was and is Coach K's most successful student, but we can't forget, I think you said he was your favorite, the Bob Ross student. Oh, God, how about I forget about Nob Boris or whatever the hell his name was, but like this guy who's literally like Chuck Norris and Bob Ross. Oh my God, I forgot. And he's a commentator now. That's Um, the guy. (laughs) I forgot his name. I call him Nob Boris or whatever. (laughs) I love him. But you're right, you're right. He is the other, like, successful one. Um, I think it's fascinating that, like, at some point, everyone just really just cuts off Coach K because you're like, no, you're toxic. Get out of my life. Except for, like, the one guy that uh, Coach K left on his own, and he's just like, but why? I'm evil, just like you wanted. And then he becomes, like, a bartender or something. Something like that. (laughs) Pathetic. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um... Yeah, tell me more about uh, how you feel about uh, Aaron Tide and like this arc. Well, it's classic shonen manga, right? Like with each particular each opponent, the stakes get higher and higher and harder and harder to defeat for various reasons. With the Aaron Tide story, it's I mean, like if you were rooting for Yuto, you really root for Aaron. Like you really want Aaron to win, and the level to which um, the the fight goes. It's pretty shocking, honestly. And it serves a purpose, right? It serves a purpose in that you start to wonder as readers, is he unstoppable? You know, if uh, someone who is this powerful and this strong can't stop him, what will? You know, what what will stop him from going to this path of, you know, darkness and destruction? And it's how J.H. lands it, uh, how how he hits the landing is so... Works really well, I think. You know, even though it things don't all go the way that you would wish they would go, they make sense emotionally. They make sense uh, for the story. They make sense for the characters. And not everything gets tied up in a everyone is happy and everything works out well in the end. It kind of does, but not hundred percent, right? Which gives the story gravity and. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think, you know, when sometimes when you read a story, especially a long one like this one, which you get to the end and you're like, ah, oh, that was good. I want to read this again. That's kind of nice. And I felt like that with the boxer. Like, it was it, the JH takes you on a very long journey. <laughs> and it's not a given because there's sometimes there's stories that take you on a long journey and you're like, that's it? <laughs> And you're like, oh, it gets you so mad. Like, oh, you know, my favorite, my favorite bitter disappointment is boys over flowers, right? I didn't know that. I, will, I didn't know that. I will never, ever stop being angry at that series. Like, how many, how many, how many goddamn volumes that I have to read? And what do they do? Barely hug at the end. Oh, just shame. How dare they? <laughs> so there has never been a manga series that has angered me that much (laughs) other than maybe hot gimmick but you know what but hot gimmick was it's its own hot mess right and they had a novel series where it gives you the alternate ending but 
I'm just saying, like a, a comic that can stick the landing and make you want to go back to chapter one and reread it. That's pretty good. Yeah, I totally agree. Back when I said like, I consider JH after this series to be like a capital A artiste. Um, I'm literally like, I'm thinking back to like, what was the most other like emotionally affecting like sports manga that really just stays in my head besides like the obvious ones like Slam Dunk Haikyuu. I think of like the most similar in tone and like execution to The Boxer would be Ping Pong by Tayo Matsumoto where it's like the art is unorthodox, but it's also expressive. It's also, um, it's paneled really well. There's a lot of, um, there's, it, it, there's a lot of emotional stakes and like uh, character journeys, but not just like the main guys that we follow. Um, we get the perspectives of everyone basically. And I feel like being able to juggle that many characters and um, successfully, in my opinion, uh, b- being able to cultivate like their, their, their headspace and like their, their emotional reactions to like both like their fights and uh, other people and their relationships. Um, I feel like that's a sign of like a masterful storyteller and you totally get that from, from the boxer. And I feel like we should prove that <laughs> by moving on to the final battle versus Jay, the son, who is a, he's a middleweight, but um, he's actually someone who uh, has an unlikely relationship with you. Um, they actually met once before a long time ago and Jay remembers this and he's like, he's like a, he's, he's a retired boxer, but he doesn't have a perfect record. He's not like uh like Aaron Tide where he's just like undefeated and like super strong uh, when he kills everyone, but something about his fights with other people are really engaging to watch. And he has a lot of fans because even though he doesn't win every time, there's something gripping about the way that he fights. And even like his opponents, they all respect him to the point where like we actually see Fabrizio, um, he he goes up against Jay. And after uh, his fight with you, Fabrizio is like turning over a new leaf. He's in the, the process of like trying to shed his image as a heel and just like fight honorably because he was so like shaken up by his loss that he's just like he rediscovered like his passion for boxing and like why he, he got into it. And he wanted to make right by that and play cleanly. And um, as fate would have it, he goes up against uh, Jay, who... Is, I think he is one of the people who inspired him, didn't he? Wasn't he, I believe? Or, But um, even if he did it before, that match that uh, they had together was another like awakening for Fabrizio where he, he was like, that was great. That was like, it showed him like why boxing is good and like worth the effort. And it, it's something about Jay is like really special. Um, his attitude is like very sunny. Yeah, you know, he's he's not like he, uh, he he's like a people person, um, easy to talk to, easygoing. But he also has like a love for the sport that um, it feels genuine. It doesn't really feel like hackneyed or like played up for the audience or whatever. He doesn't feel like he puts on these performances specifically to please people. It's just him, like it's just him boxing because that's what he likes to do or whatever. And then. Uh, so when it came to you, 
if, if you can fill in these guys for me, I don't remember the specifics. I just know that they had a conversation, and then uh, it basically leads up to Jay uh, realizing or like remembering that um, he wants to show you the light or like the reason for. I will say like the reason for everything, <laughs> like not just boxing, but like um, like living. It's kind of religious, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, Jay, it's obvious, very obvious at this point that Jay is like um, Jesus, Jay for Jesus. Um, he's like a savior, really. Um, his whole purpose is really to be that light that you were searching for earlier, um, where it was something that uh, uh, that you noticed very faintly at one point, but didn't really understand it. And he thought that that would be like, I don't want to say like the secret to life or like whatever, but like it's it's something significant that he doesn't know and feels that would change his life or it's something that he needs in order to really understand things better. Um, it would be like the answer to like why things are the way they are. Why did I go through what I did? Why am I still alive? Why keep on living? And like a lot of really heavy questions that like, also like explain what he's grappling with inside because we don't really get a lot of his internal monologues, but we do know that he's suffering and we do know that um, there's only like so much capacity for emotion that he has. And he wants to understand like why things are this way. And I think, I think that's really compelling. And the fact that like Jay is here to like, he remembers uh, you as a kid and he wants to help him discover that. It's really touching. And like the fight itself is like, I think it's pretty well executed. Um, it's, it's just as violent as the Aaron Tide fight, maybe probably more. And what's interesting is that Jay upholds that underdog image that we see from, I almost called him Makunochi, from Yuto, where. It's like, yeah, how is he really going to measure up to this guy who conquered six weight classes and he's just like a monster? And especially now that he shed all that extra weight and he's back to like his ideal weight class or whatever. Um, but, you know, sometimes boxing isn't just about the physicality of it. Sometimes it's about the perseverance, the, the desire to like continue and to really have a conversation with your fists. And it's, it's something that I, I eat that shit up for breakfast. The fact that like fights are as like a vehicle for, for communication, I think it's some of the smartest, coolest, funnest things about sports manga and action manga in general. Um, and like layering that with uh, use emotional journey is like, it's peak. It's peak fiction. This is exactly what I read comics for. And getting it is like, the perfect cherry on top to a series that like took me through so many different emotions, so many, uh, so many like experiences. And like, I, I really want to just sit down and, and like talk to the author, to JH about like, what did you go through? What, what made you want to tell this kind of story? Because there's really so much to unpack, but like, I just, I want to know more. Like, I, I want to know, how you got to this point because the way that they were able to execute this and like the art, like this is the culmination of everything of like all that we were talking about earlier that like the art is fantastic. It's panels. Great. It's also the, the character designs. It's also just the colors and like the way that everything comes together 
up to this point where we get the catharsis of you seeing the light again and then like reacting to it and like remembering that he he met jay before and like oh i'm getting goosebumps again like it's, uh, it's such a great journey i'm gonna shut up now and i'm gonna let you two take over <laughs> I agree with a lot what you're saying. Jay is very much the light to you. And they even say like those specific words, the light several times. Um, but Jay, he doesn't have a stellar record in his boxing history. I think he was like half and half. He went or lose, or maybe it was like 70, 30, something like that. Um, so it's not that he's a great boxer, but he strives so hard to once he sees that you is back in or like being a competitive boxer rather than just the child that he saw on the streets at the beginning um he sees how far he's kind of strayed from life and the influence of coach k in him that he has to find his way back to him to teach him something whether it's it's the lesson of living or giving a reason to live or even just trying to connect or pull something out of the trauma that you pushes down in himself. Um, I think what's really important with the, the symbol of the light with Jay is like we were talking about earlier and Deb has brought up before the colors yellow is the brightest color there is. And that is the light and Jay, his eyes, his hair, part of his tracksuit, everything is yellow. It's very much in your face it's the first eye-catching thing you see when you look at those panels. And it's just something so you want to root for Jay all along and find something to really connect with you finally, to really land home that there is something beyond this snare that Coach K has him in. He has a really interesting final boss, right? Because he's not the biggest and strongest, but he is definitely, um, you know, the other side of the mirror, right, uh, to this character. And he confronts him with a pretty kind of deep question, like, how do you want to live? How do you want to continue? Because even, you know, even when he starts like fighting, is it fun? He's kind of basically like, what's the point of this? And I think through this, he finds an answer for himself. You know, I mean, it's sometimes I uh, like we we. We did it. We just recorded the manga explaining. Uh, we posted a manga explaining for the re, uh, reel by Takihiko Inoue. I gotta, I gotta volume, listen. Volume thirteen. That's the one with the wrestling, and kind of similar. It's funny because like David asked me, um, you know, every time you give us a shoujo manga, you ask us, um, how c- could you relate to the girly emotional parts of this? And he says, now that you've read this wrestling thing. Could you relate to the manly parts of this, right? The the manly self-actualization parts of this. And it's like, maybe not like you do, but I can understand it. Um, I love sports manga and I love sports stories. I love the Olympics, but but I don't I generally don't like watching sports for just sports sake. Like I don't like watch football for just just to watch the ball go up and down the field. I like it when it's like the World Cup or like the Olympics, Olympics. where you hear you hear stories about the athletes and what how hard they worked and what they're what they're going for, and with like the World Cup, it's kind of like Eurovision, right? You're rooting for your country, <laughs> like yeah, Korea, go beat Japan, you know. And then like Japan wins, it's like yeah, Japan, go beat Spain, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, just that kind of stuff. So 
I like the story behind the sports, uh, the people behind the sports. And, you know, I'm a couch potato. I get inspired by people who work that hard, wake up early in the morning to run and train and get stronger. It's like, I read that and think, yeah, I should do some of that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's satisfying reading like the or seeing the culmination of everything because this, when the storylines come together, that's where it's like, oh yeah, this is this is the build up. This is what everything was leading up to, and like being able to partake in that is really satisfying. I think that's also something of the few like sports uh, sports series that I've either read or even just like sports movies that I've seen on TV it's never really about the sport it's about the people that are behind it and what they're going through and the sport is just kind of the the beeline story that has to be there as a vehicle to understand yeah exactly uh the sports are just like it's like the how they get there it's it's just yeah it's the vehicle um without the sport it would just be like another drama or whatever but the the character development the interactions um all of that comes together because they have the sport to interact with. And that's why, like, it doesn't have to be a... I yeah. mean, and when you have it, it's not... When you have just violence and fights without the guidelines of, you know, of a sport, right? Like, in boxing, you know that there's going to be rounds, right? And the rounds have a certain time limit. And there's only going to be so many of them. And they're only allowed to make certain moves, right? They can't do anything dirty. They can't, you know, do... Th- they can't give them a swift kick and the you know what uh, certain moves are banned and so there's parameters right versus when I read the, the webtoons that are about bullying right and just no holds bar just fighting you're just like when is this gonna end oh my god they're just like like I'm watching I'm reading Teenage Mercenary which I really really enjoy but sometimes you think like dude you gotta be tired you just beat up 15 people and you're just not even breaking a sweat. And again, like, you know, I, I recognize I said the part, like, comics are comics. And of course, he's a hero. And so everything's cool. And, and I admit that I kind of like that sometimes because it's like, yeah, good on him. He's winning. Because, you know, it's kind of satisfying to see a teenager, like, beat, you know, gangsters and rich politicians and schoolyard buddies, but, you know, bullies. It's like, yeah, I'm willing to suspend some disbelief here just for this sheer cathartic value of someone's face getting kicked in right but with sports it's like there's a time limit you're like oh my god he has to do this within the certain time period or oh my god and like if he does this then he gets this so you know that's the difference maybe (laughs) i don't know yeah it is a a lot of the tension comes from like playing within the rules and like knowing that knowing the limits because uh in sports, like, everyone knows the rules, right? Everyone knows that, like, these are the limitations that everyone has to follow. And in order to, like, grasp victory from staying within those rules is where a lot of the, the tension, the excitement comes because people are like, oh, they did this because uh, they couldn't do this because of this rule or whatever. And it's just um, being able to follow along the action through the, uh, those rules or whatever is a lot of the appeal because understanding the steps that people can take in order to, like, reach victory um it's why you see a lot of like sportscasters that with the like the or commentators that like um they talk about the theory behind sports and, and like analysts and stuff like when you see people who like like american football you see a lot of strategy with like oh this is the lineup you got the linebackers here you got the the quarterback over here if they throw in this direction uh that means uh the opponent, opposing team has to go this way or whatever and 
yeah, it's just like being able to theorize about, about that kind of stuff is something that a lot of people enjoy. I mean, I know that's a guy. Thing, oh, you know, sorry. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, no, no. I like no, like like the part about like certain stats aspects of sports. Guys really get into, and I'm like, and I'm just kind of like, I didn't have a very sporty dad. Uh-huh. My dad taught me blackjack. You know, that's what I'm saying. He never took me to any sports events, and he didn't really watch much sports. So, you know, I'm learning like, oh, hitting for the cycle. Is that a thing? Or like, oh, is that why they bunt? (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm watching um, Clean Sweep on Netflix, which is about a bunch of uh, Korean pro baseball, retired pro baseball players who play high school and college teams. And I learn a lot from that. But, you know, my knowledge of sports is so limited, right? Like I'm reading Giant Killing and I'm watching the World Cup and I'm like, Wait, what is offside again? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I, I'm just I'm just going with for the I'm just here for the ride. Yeah, I think um part of that is um the same way that a lot of people read like romance or whatever is being able to like self insert into like um oh in these situations I would have done this or that or whatever and it's just like oh yeah if I was playing this sport I would have done this and that because I'm built different or whatever and yeah it's, it's that same kind of enjoyment I think it's just applied in a different way. So I I don't know I do we have anything else we really want to touch on because I feel like we got through the, a good chunk of what makes the boxer so special. Yeah, I think maybe we can sum up like you should read this if you like X or I don't know. Yeah, well I I said it earlier like if you like ping pong or if you like um, good sports dramas in general like this is totally up your alley. If you like art, this is good art. Like Amber like she's not a, a sports fan but. It doesn't. You don't have to be a sports fan to enjoy this kind of story because it's a character drama, like we were talking about. Yeah, and even like in sports series, they they do a good job of explaining the technical bits that you don't know. Like for example, in the the Kasim fight, or uh, yeah, Kasim, um, where he's like, "This isn't an actual boxing move." Like taking the the time to explain that and draw arrows of what is proper and what isn't. That was really helpful for my knowledge. Um, the this series actually, I. I got a little bit of appreciation about it. I didn't. I didn't tell you this before, actually. My cousin uh, lives in New England, and he's actually a lightweight boxer. He does both regular boxing and kickboxing, and so I got a new appreciation for what he does because I don't really talk to him that often. But just like getting an understanding of the kind of like the hits that he's taking, even though there's a lot of suspending belief in this series and not reality, just the idea of it, it, it kind of made me feel a little bit closer to understanding him and what he goes through a little bit. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm glad that you could uh, find reading the series helped you like appreciate something outside of just comics in general. That, that's really cool. That's the kind of stuff that like I bet the author would love to hear. I would. I mean, I would. I want to throw this out there, and I don't know if the people at Yen Press, Eyes Press, are listening to this, but I would love to see an interview with this author and really get to know what, what's going on in his head. You know, like what? Like I loved all the little, you know, in. Uh, essays he had in between seasons and that was they were so interesting but when we did the boxer episode for Mogsman I could find no biographical information on this guy and except I saw like a, a festival and I saw a photo of him accepting a prize and it's like what was this prize and what did you win and wait what did the judges say about this and it's like I have no effing idea no idea whatsoever but I and I recognize that a lot of webtoon, webtoon and manga creators like their privacy. 
but you know, like I, I came back from New York, uh, San Diego Comic Con, and uh, Makoto Yukimura from uh, the Creative Villain Saga was there, and he was so amazing, such an interesting, gregarious, humble, fascinating guy, who was willing to answer every you know fan's questions, and he's really thoughtful about his work, and I feel like JH is doing something so interesting in terms of his writing and his art and his visual storytelling. I would love to know more. Mark or Juan, if you're listening, please make this happen. <laughs> I am willing I am willing to be your interviewee uh, or interviewer uh, or dev, you know. Let's, no, please go. <laughs> we can make this happen. Uh, just let them know if they're interested. The readers want to know. On behalf of the readers, we are the readers. <laughs> Uh, we want more from Jage, or like you know, just we want to pick at him at, at, at their brain, you know, because this is or bring bring him to a show, yeah, do yeah, a yeah. comic show, and like you know, have a panel, yeah, exactly, showcase his work. A panel you know, would I think be that'd be really cool. Yeah, I was also gonna say um, I forgot to include read along wise. Um, I, I as you know, I haven't, and I've been saying over and over, I'm not a huge sports person, so I can't really relate as a a sports suggestion. But if you do like JH, I do recommend reading through The Horizon and Mosquito Wars. They're both such short series, but they both also deal with heavy trauma elements. Um, I guess that's just JH's style. And they're both more like sci-fi um, apocalyptic scenarios. Nice. That sounds great. I'd, I'd love to check. Oh, I haven't yeah. spent time with either series, so I'm hoping to check it out. Yeah, they're both on my list. I, I wasn't able to get to them in time, even though... <laughs> Um, hello, behind the scenes. Uh, this is actually our second recording, but it's okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I think this conversation we had actually turned out for the better. Um, it was a lot more substantial, in my opinion. So you're getting the best result possible if you're listening to this. But um, but yeah, I, I want to thank you both for coming on. Obviously, Amber's my co-host, but Deb, uh, you're our first guest, and it was it was a pleasure. If there's anything that you want to share or like plug, um, feel free. Oh, well, I already plugged a bunch of things in the beginning, but, um, you know, if you subscribe to Manga Explaining Extra, we did start serializing uh, Search and Destroy by Atsushi Kaneko. Um, it's a sci-fi, a, kind of a dystopian, gender-bent retelling of Osama Tezuka's Dororo, and it's amazing. That's awesome. Um, it'll be alternating every other week with uh, Wandering Cat's Cage by Ats- Akani Torikai, the creator of uh, Sensei's Pious Lie. This is also a sci-fi story, if you can believe it. It's kind of, kind of, but the simplest way I can describe it, it's kind of like an Asian tinged version of The Handmaid's Tale, a world where women dominate and men, particularly men who can reproduce, help women reproduce are quite rare. And so there's a lot of secrets, and it's really a fascinating story. It's pretty short. It's only two volumes in Japanese, but we're going to be serializing it every other week on Manga's Play and Extra. Well, the first chapters are free, and subsequent chapters, um, you can only read the, the chapters in its entirety if you subscribe to our paid subscription, which is $5 a month. Manga'splainingextra.com. <laughs> awesome. Send me those links, and I'll include them in the episode description. Um, Amber, anything you want to plug? I do, actually. So today up on the Manga Machinations YouTube channel, um, a video with me and Dark Fox from the Manga Mac crew went up about the One Piece live action. It's a long review video, but we get into quite a bit about the series and it was a lot of fun. So I look forward to getting people's feedback about it. 
Hell yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check that out right now. Actually, after we're done, because I just I just finished re- uh, watching the whole eight episodes. I loved it. Spoilers. Um, One Piece is real. Let's go. Yeah, definitely check out Mongo Machinations. They're awesome. Friends with Dark Fox. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll link that too. Yeah, I mean, our uh, that's about it. I guess uh, I'll plug in the podcast. <laughs> um, oh, wait, wait, wait! Before before you oh. finish, we still have to rate. Oh shit! You're right. So, Deb, I don't know if you remember, but we do have a scale—a <laughs> uh, three-point scale on how we rate Manhua here. <laughs> the scale goes from a bibim flop to Jajang mid and the Bulgotki. And I think it's clear. Um, this is a uh, this is Bulgotki tier. I think so. I I won't disagree with that. Yeah, it's prime meat. Yes. It's meaty. It is meaty. For me, it's just under Bulgogi. I'm not quite there, but that's that I just have like a few complaints throughout it. But it's still up there, but I'd give it like 80%. So mm, not tender enough for you. So it's like it's not prime meat, but it's choice. <laughs> choice. My steak isn't rare. It's more <laughs> like it's now medium well ish. Or eh, medium. Uh, medium. Okay, because just a little. Chewy. I'd be really disappointed if I got a medium <laughs> well. So I'd say it's like, well, no, because medium is mid. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, we're talking in steak terms now. I love rare steak, so this is absolutely like medium rare then, because that's in between. So medium fair. rare. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, if any of you listeners have read this already, what's your rating? Uh, please talk to us, because I enamored with this series and i would love to talk more if you're interested uh please do send us an email or a tweet our twitter is um at soju manhua pod on twitter uh i'm not calling it x uh uh and our email is at or soju want to read manhua at gmail.com yeah just you can send and you have it if if you haven't already read this series on webtoon yes or we uh, pick up the print versions, which are on from Ice Press. Yeah, so the, on Webtoon, you can actually read a lot more for free than you might realize at first, uh, because they do have the Fast Pass, which is like, generally, it's like a free chapter a day or whatever, but I'm guessing like they's, they've seen the success that the series is out on their platform, and they, they allow you to read like a good chunk, like at least like five to ten chapters free a day, maybe more, maybe like 15, but... um. Yeah, it, it, you can save a lot of coins reading it. Um, and you can also buy it in print. Like we said, uh, Volumes 1 to 3 are already out. Volume 4 comes out next month in October. But not as ebooks. Not, they are, they not are print. They are print. Yeah. If you want it digitally, read it in the official or the original source, which is on your phone. <laughs> it's meant to be read like that originally. But I will say the, the print books are also really cool. Uh, it, it's really interesting to see the way that um, they resize panels and like align them to... Uh, follow the, the reading order on a page. I think it's fascinating. It, it's something that if you're into comics and both digital and print, like it's it's a really interesting experience. I would recommend it. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, thank you again for coming on. This was like a very fruitful discussion. Very pleased. Thank you <laughs> yeah. for joining us, Deb, so much. Um, and for anyone that wants to keep going on with our manhwa journey here next time we'll be reading the remarried empress which is also on webtoon with a capital w yes so thank you spoilers amber's liked it so much that she finished it in like a week (laughs) 
told me that like two days. Two days. Two days. Yeah, excuse me. I'm sorry. A <laughs> hundred um thirty something, forty something chapters in two days. So I'm I'm excited. <laughs> and you should be too. All right.